Okay. Um, you guys ready yes. this morning for the word? Everybody ready? Yes. All right. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So sometimes people ask me how I decide what messages to do. And there are a ton of different ways. Uh, sometimes I will just be feeling a scripture and I will have no idea where it's going, but I will know that if I will just dig into the scripture, the message will be in there somewhere. <laughs> and that's how it's been the last few times I've been up here. And then there are some times that I'm just feeling a certain thought, like waiting on the Lord. And so then I will go and look for a scripture that demonstrates that thought. Okay? Then there are other times when I um, am feeling a message is coming for months or even years, and I don't feel like it's time. And so I will hold on to it until I feel like the Lord says, or the Holy Spirit is like, now is the time. Today is one of those messages, okay? <laughs> so um, it, um, it's, a, it's something that's really important to me. And it's, it's a journey that I've been on with the Lord just personally over the just about the past 20 years. But today, in this season, in this time, I feel like we, as the body of Christ, as a, as a whole, as the whole church, are ready for great breakthrough in this area. Are you guys ready? Yeah. <laughs> Purity in the financial realm. <laughs> Some of you weren't as sure as the first time. <laughs> This is good news. This is good news, okay? For, for over two years now, we've been talking about how, how God is purifying his church. And he's been exposing evil and deception and ways in which we may be unintentionally aligned with darkness, and he has been exposing impure motives and restoring us to a standard of righteousness. And he's been exposing which voices we should silence and which voices that we should maybe turn the volume up a little bit louder on. Amen. He's been restoring his church to a pure love that is without agenda. Amen. And he's been restoring his church to have vision, um, not just for revival, but for reformation, yes. right? So as he's been doing this, he's been, there's been a cleansing taking place in different realms of the church, okay? I believe that there is a cleansing taking place in the leadership of the church, okay? I believe that there is a cleansing that is taking place in the, in the worship of the church, and now I believe that the Lord is beginning to say it's time for there to be a cleansing in the financial realm of the church. Amen? Amen. <laughs> okay? Listen, it, we have access to great wealth in the kingdom of God. 
But we, as the church as a whole, we have not yet learned to steward that, that wealth with purity. Okay? <laughs> you guys okay? This is good. Okay? Um, so we want to be people that have such pure hearts that God can not only trust us with more, but that he can trust us to go and influence the financial systems of this world and not be corrupted by its corruption. If you think that is not possible, then we will never disciple nations. And yet, discipling nations is exactly what Jesus commanded us to do. Amen? You guys okay? You ready? Here we go. I'm not going to ask you that again. (laughs) We are all in. Okay? So let's start with a quick review about the, the economy of the kingdom of God. The economy of the kingdom of God is sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, investing and multiplying. Okay? Every seed has multiplication in it. And every seed will produce a harvest. It is the economic law and promise of the economy of the kingdom of God. It is also the way that God has created the entire world in which we live. Okay? So in addition to this being how God created the world, when he set up his holy people or his holy nation in in Israel, he set up certain things to teach them how to live and to prosper in his economy. And these things were called feasts of Israel. And they were centered around the harvest. Okay? So one of the things that he told them to do is to set aside a portion of their harvest as holy unto the Lord. And before the people were ever even allowed to eat from the fruit of their harvest, they had to bring this portion that was set aside and dedicated to the Lord into his house. Okay? These portions were called first fruits. And they were called first fruits to indicate, hey, first we're bringing to the Lord what is his. But it was also to encourage the people, this is just the first or just the beginning of the more harvest that is to come. Okay? So the first, um, I'm going to say first a lot of times in the sentence, but it's okay. The first first fruits offering of the year came during the first harvest of the year, and that was the barley harvest. Okay? The barley harvest happened right after Passover. So um, what they would do is they would bring, they would set aside during the barley harvest and during Passover, they would set aside an entire day to celebrate the first first fruits offering of the year. And it was not just to celebrate, it was to celebrate with expectation the more that was coming in this harvest and in every harvest throughout the year. Okay? 
this, this idea of first fruits was so important to the blessing of God on the land. It was so tied to it that barley became a symbol in Israel of the miracle of multiplication that comes when we bring the Lord what is his. Okay? Let me give you some examples. In 2 Corinthians, 2 Kings chapter 4, a man brings Elisha, the man of God, 20 barley loaves during a famine. And so Elisha says, hey, put these loaves before the people so that they can eat. And the servant of Elisha says, how can I put so little in front of a hundred men? And Elisha said, if you will put it before them, they will eat and have everything they want and there will be some left over. And so that's what happened. So then you fast forward all the way to the New Testament. There was a crowd of people, this time 5,000 men, who were following Jesus and they became hungry. And so the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we should send these people away so that they can go and buy food. And Jesus said, no, you give them something to eat. And they were like, we, we don't have enough money to give them all these people stuff to eat. And so Jesus said, well, what do you have? And so a disciple brings a little boy, and the little boy has two loaves, two fish, and five barley loaves. And so he, he gives his barley loaves to Jesus, and Jesus begins to bless it and break it and multiply it. And all the crowd ate, and they were satisfied, and there were 12 baskets of barley loaf left over demonstrating once again the miracle of multiplication when we bring the Lord what is his. Okay? This is not an Old Testament law. This is a principle that God put in place to teach his people, this is how you prosper in my economy. Okay? You guys okay so far? I, I said I wasn't going to ask you again. <laughs> Um, but it's more, that's more me just going, do you understand? Okay? So how do we define first fruits in our world? Because most of us are not farmers, right? Okay? Now, some people would say first fruits would be the tithe that we bring to the Lord. I would say that our tithe is just the beginning of what first fruits is. Okay? This is really important right here. First fruits are anything that the Lord asks us for. We say it again. First fruits are anything that the Lord asks us for. I feel sure that that little boy's five barley loaves were not his tithes to the Lord. But Jesus asked him for it. Okay? And because he gave it to Jesus... His offering, his lunch, became holy. And then it was used to feed a multitude. That little boy would never have been able to feed a multitude with, his, with what he had. But because he was willing to give it to the Lord, it became holy and it fed a multitude. Do you get that? Do you get that? What we bring him becomes holy. 
okay? <laughs> so when he asks us for, some, for something and we withhold it from him, we are only cheating ourselves out of the increase. Okay? Because he, when he takes it and he makes it holy, he does way more with it than we can do. Plus, we get to be excited about the more that is coming because that's just the first fruits. Amen. When he asks us for something, it's just the beginning. Okay? You guys okay? I don't think that we really get the celebration of first fruits. Like, it's not some kind of duty that we have to do. It's something that we do with joy because it's the beginning of something. It's the first of something. If something's the first, there is more to come. Amen? Okay? So if you are new here and you don't know me, um, then I need to say to you, that I am not standing up here saying these things to you as a leader of this church to try to get you to give more money. Yep, come on. And that will never be something I will do. Okay? I am saying these things because it's time for we as a people to position ourselves to walk in purity of heart before the Lord. And to see what is holy as holy. And to see the world as um, someone that he wants to bless through us. Okay? So the first thing that we have to do to position ourselves um, <clears throat> to walk in this purity is to determine I will not personally profit off of what belongs to the Lord. Okay, I will not personally profit off of what belongs to the Lord. I think that there have been portions of the church that have um, used, that have distorted the, that message of seed time and harvest and they've used manipulation and they've used control and they've used all of these things to personally profit off of God's people and it's caused confusion about the message and distrust in the church but the message still stands and God is bringing purity back to the message and he's raising up a pure people who want to steward the wealth of heaven for the, for the benefit of the world. And not to personally profit off of what belongs to the Lord. Amen? You guys okay? Okay. All right. Um, another of the things that God put in place when he was setting up his nation to live in his blessings um, around these feasts was he put things in place to ensure that everybody prospered. Okay? There were things that were put in place to make sure that the poor and the widow and the orphan were fed and that the 
the, the strangers were treated with hospitality and that even that debts were forgiven. Okay? He, he didn't want his nation to look like other nations where the wealthy and the powerful were few and the poor were many. In fact, the way that he set up his nation, the center of power in his nation was the family. Everything was done through family and it flowed through generosity. So that everyone was not equal, but everyone was taken care of. Okay? So number two, the second step to purity and stewarding Wealth is to determine my expectation for blessing is for the purpose of generosity. Okay? My expectation for blessing is for the purpose of generosity. And it is for transforming the culture around me to look like the kingdom of God and not transforming myself to look like culture. Okay? It's for me to, to transform the culture around me to look like the kingdom of God, and not to transform myself to look like culture, okay? One of the biggest temptations that we have when we start to experience increase and blessing and favor and all those things is to do with those things what the world does, which is to have all the nice things and build all of the things that we want to build, build our name, build our reputation, and you know, connect with all the, like, important people. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that. What I am saying is that when that becomes our focus to the point that we neglect the mandate to bless the world, then we've lost the purity. Okay? When we don't understand that I am blessed to be a blessing. Okay, does that make sense? It's not about the we can't have nice things and we always have to like not have enough. No, we're supposed to have more yeah. than enough. Yeah. We're supposed to prosper, but we are also supposed to be generous. Yeah. Okay, in the kingdom, gener- I mean, wealth is not measured by how much we possess. It's measured by how much we give away. In the kingdom, wealth is not measured by what we possess. It's measured by how much we give away. What if the church was known for that? Okay. Um, One of the greatest examples of God's people living in this kind of blessing where everyone was prospering and the nations of the world came and were taught by what was going on was the kingdom of Solomon. Okay? Second Chronicles 9.27 said that the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. That's how much there was. It also says um, that in Second Chronicles 9.22, it says King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings on the earth. All the kings of the earth sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. He had the most, he had the wealthiest and most influential kingdom, most prosperous kingdom for his people on the world. And the world came to him because they want to know how 
How, how do you do this? How is this happening? How do you have the blessing of God? There were people, there were rulers that came from all over the world, didn't even worship his God. But when they came and they saw all that was going on, they were like, I don't know who your God is, but this all comes from him. Because that's the only way it's possible. Okay? If that can happen in the Old Testament before Jesus and before the Holy Spirit lived inside of his people, how much more should we expect that to be the case today? We have to stop being afraid of the financial realm. It's, it's for us, okay? <clears throat> the wealth of the kingdom is for the benefit of the world, okay? Generosity is the demonstration of our belief that God is good. Amen. What we bring to him is a declaration of how much we believe, how good we believe he is, and how much we believe is yet to come. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so I think that, that God is, th- there's a purity that um, is coming in generosity because I think that right now sometimes generosity um, looks more like I will give to you as long as I can get something in return. Wow. You know, um, and the, the pure in heart will be generous, not because of what we get in return, but because we know we are blessed to be a blessing. I am generous because I'm blessed and because God is good and because I have so much joy at what I get to give away. Because every time I do that, I'm making room for more to come and more to come and more to come. Amen? (laughs) A third thing that God set in place, um, this is one that we don't hear about a lot, was the offering of thanksgiving. So not only did they... um, did they bring first fruits in every harvest to the Lord, this, this peace that belonged to the Lord? When they got done with all their harvest, they brought him, it says you're to bring him an offering of thanksgiving, just to say like, thank you for everything that you've blessed us with. And it says in Deuteronomy 16, three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks, and the feast of tabernacles. These are all the feast of the harvest. It says, no man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. This is the forgotten offering of the church. The, the thanksgiving offering. These are the offerings where we get to acknowledge, hey, everything I have comes from you and everything I have is yours. Come on. Come on. And as where the first fruits that we bring him, that's his already. That's not even ours. That's his already. This is something that we 
get to decide and we get to choose and we get to get together as a family and say, what can we bring to the Lord to show him this is from us? To show him, what do you bring a king? Just to show him, I'm so, so, so grateful to be yours. You know, King David, the, the, the kingdom of Solomon that we just talked about, the wealthiest, most influential, prosperous kingdom in all the world, it began from a thanksgiving offering. David took up a thanksgiving offering right before he died, and he took up an offering because he was making plans to build the house of the Lord, and he wasn't even going to see it. But he said, I want to give my Thanksgiving offering to make sure this happens because the Lord has blessed me. And so he comes and he brings his wealth. And then he invites all the people to bring their wealth so that they can build this house of the Lord. And when they do, he's so overcome that he writes this song of Thanksgiving. And it's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible about giving because it captures the purity of heart of someone that's just overwhelmingly grateful to the Lord for his blessings. I'm going to read it to you. It's in First Chronicles 29. It says, praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatest is the greatness and power and glory and majesty and splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as Lord over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you Thanks, and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. What if we saw our finances that way? What if we had that much gratefulness with everything that we do. I think we would see a lot more stressless months, (laughs) a lot more faith, a lot more rest because of what he's done. Hold on one second, Pops, we're, I, I told him to, to play that when I was reading s- scripture, but we haven't, we haven't gotten to the whole scripture yet, so that's my bad. <laughs> so the third thing, um, the third step to, to purity is return to the Thanksgiving offering and to this attitude of Thanksgiving. Um, and so... 
you might be you might be wondering like why now like and you might be thinking like maybe you haven't been paying attention <laughs> to what's going on in the world how bad the economy is like how <clears throat> how much people are struggling how many questions they have and i would say that maybe that's the point of why now because that is the economy of the world. Yes. Yes. And that's not my economy. Yes. Yes. Come on. My economy is the kingdom of heaven. Yes. And it does not fail. Yes. And it does not, it does not have lean times. <laughs> okay? We are the people of God. And we've got to start understanding what that means when it comes to breakthrough in this area. Okay? Does that make sense? You guys okay? <laughs> now that we're... Um, listen, I'm not... In, in me doing... You know, the, in this message, I'm not asking you to do anything at all. I'm asking us as a people to rise higher yeah. and to ascend yeah. and to put our hearts before the Lord and to let him do surgery or heal or make whole or awaken or purify or whatever it takes for us to be able to steward what he wants to pour out. And to be people that he trusts in this area. To do what he wants to do on the earth. Okay? You guys ready? All right. Let's stand up. If you are feeling unsure or you just need to be encouraged this morning in this area, I'm just going to release us with uh, some scriptures about the economy of heaven. And I want you to, <laughs> I want us to learn to celebrate yes. um, what he is doing and our role in it, okay? All right? So um, you can start that now, Pops. All right, you guys ready? I was young and now I'm old, and yet I have never seen the righteous forsaking, forsaken or their children begging for bread they are always generous and lend freely their children will be blessed the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want sometimes you got to say that say that after me the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I shall not want I shall not want. Sometimes you got to look straight at the devil and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. I shall not want. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 
You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. How many occasions? Every occasion. <laughs> and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, this is the last one. You guys ready? Arise and shine, for your light has come. Say, has come. Has come. Has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Say, the glory of the Lord rises upon me. The glory of the Lord rises upon me. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you, and the riches of the nations will come. <laughs> Lord, thank you for your trust. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your grace. It's not about what we have done. It's not about what we are doing. It's about the choice that we make about who we want to be before you. And what we choose to see is holy. Who are we to have such great promises as this? <laughs> we are children of God Almighty. We are co-heirs with King Jesus. It's not about becoming wealthy. It's about stewarding wealth so that we can bless the world, so that we can lead the world, so that we can lead nations and cities to the brightness of your glory. Thank you. You make it not heavy. You make it full of joy and celebration and expectation because everything you ask from us is for our good. What a joy to belong to you. 
thank you for your belief in the church. Thank you that you never stop believing in the church. Thank you that you never abandon us. Thank you that you're raising us up again to walk in purity and holiness and fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are released. (laughs) Be blessed. Be encouraged. Okay, more is coming.